When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, ghost stories, black-eyed children, and messages from beyond the grave with storyteller, paranormal podcast host, Jim Harold. She was commenting that day that she wished her grandfather were there. Her grandfather had passed. And then all of a sudden, um, that day, there was an old radio that sat in a drawer, an old radio that belonged to her grandfather. And suddenly the old radio started to play. And the old radio played all day. And they listened to it and they danced to it and they got a chuckle over it and smiled with it. And then the next day, it didn't work. And the gist of the story was he, I think he took the radio apart, tried to figure out, could never get it working again, but it worked that day <laughs> after she said she wanted her grandfather to be there. This podcast is brought to you by Family Bunker Designs. If you believe things are headed in a scary direction these days, then you'll want to listen to this message. Four years ago, John Hartman, a retired military man and certified disaster and survival expert, created the ultimate solution to keep his family safe from danger. He built a family survival bunker. With the advice of experts, he decided to share what he learned and published the ultimate guide to family bunker construction. His designs are highly affordable, yet your family bunker will be safe, well hidden, and strong enough to withstand almost any disaster or terrorist attack. These days, with so many threats out there, a safe hideout is essential for security. And right now, when you order the Family Bunker Guide, you'll get three bonus survival guides absolutely free. Don't put it off. Get this life-saving information now. Learn more at clearbroadcast.com. That's clearbroadcast.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. 
revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. You know, people assume because I host a couple of radio shows and a podcast that delve into the paranormal from time to time that I must have seen hundreds of ghosts and had countless paranormal experiences. But the truth of the matter is I've never seen a ghost. Never. I've never seen a UFO. I don't even consider myself to be the slightest bit psychic. Now, I've had a couple of strange experiences. Uh, Once I saw my doppelganger hovering above me in my bed just as after my father passed away over 30 years ago. But I was taking a mild sedative at the time to help me sleep, so it's possible I was hallucinating. We have to put that out there. The other incident, more recent, involved a possible telephone call from the dead. My late radio partner and, and dear friend, R. Gary Patterson, passed away on a Friday night back in May of 2017. Now, I was certain he and I had talked that same Friday night the night he passed, and my wife was positive after the fact that I was on the phone with someone that night. And and Gary said some things that, upon reflection, seemed a little odd. But then, the next day after I learned of his death, this is on the Saturday morning, I went back and I checked my recent calls list on the iPhone, and there was no record of any calls on the Friday, either incoming or outgoing. So, did I just misremember it all? It's quite possible. So, those are my two experiences, each with a possible prosaic explanation. Having said that, I still love to talk about the paranormal, and perhaps more importantly, I love to listen to ghost stories. There's something very primal, I think, about gathering around a campfire, or in the case of radio, the electronic campfire, and sharing ghost stories. And few people tell them better than my next guest. And few people hear more ghost stories than my next guest. You could say he collects them. Jim Harold is among America's most popular paranormal podcast hosts with his free programs, The Paranormal Podcast, and Jim Harold's Campfire. Jim has developed a loyal following over the last nearly 15 years that spans the globe. After over a decade of working on the business side of media, Jim decided it was time to dust off his broadcast training and step back behind the microphone. A lifelong interest in the paranormal, combined with his love of broadcasting and technology, have resulted in some of the most successful podcasts of their type to date. Jim Harold, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing even better because I'm here, Richard. I'm honored that you asked me on the program and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, likewise, likewise. You're very uh, impressive in the, in the podcast world. You're like in the top 2%, and I know you kind of downplay that, but that's a huge accomplishment. Well, yes. I mean, uh, I, th- technically, uh, according to my media host and the, the stats they keep and what they, they say, yeah, I would be in the, the top 2% because of the amount of downloads I get every week. But that, that 2% is big. There's some really big podcasters out there. So I kind of consider myself a mid-tier podcaster, but my audience seems to enjoy it. They give me the opportunity to do this full time. And uh, while I'm not driving around a Mercedes or anything like this, it, 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 I'm very thankful to be able to, to earn a living doing this. And uh, just podcasting is great. It's changed my life. You've got the, the paranormal podcast and then there's campfires. 
like your your download, your total, is that for both of them, or is there one in particular? Uh, it's actually uh, both of those shows combined, plus a couple of other shows that I have done in the past that are, are sunset. Plus, and I don't even count these in the stats, I have a number of uh, what I call plus shows that are premium shows. Mm-hmm. And one of them, uh, and I don't know if we've ever discussed this, is actually a conspiracy show. Now, I don't go in as depth as you do, and I'm nowhere in the knowledge that you do about conspiracies. But uh, it's an interesting, it's like a Venn diagram, and I'm (laughs) sure you see this from your work on Coast to Coast AM. Uh, People who are interested in the paranormal tend to also be interested in things like true crime, which I have a true crime show, and also uh, in conspiracies. It just seems to be a Venn diagram where people map to those interests, and uh, I'm no exception. I I love what you do. And, and very interested in all of that, so it's it's fun when the two worlds can meet. Well, yes, it, it, it's funny you should say they should meet because, or they do meet because there is a lot of crossover. And uh, you you were telling me about uh, a, a story that does just that that came to your attention not too long ago, uh, that sort of crosses over between the paranormal and the conspiratorial. Yeah, this was a police officer, and I'm always very uh, thankful when our police officers listen to the programs. Uh, and he was on patrol, and they had gotten a call that there was a uh, a naked man of all things screaming off of the uh, screaming off of an overpass over a freeway and acting crazy and I think throwing stuff. And so anyway, he went to take care of it, and sure enough, this guy was <laughs> he had run down the embankment and was along the side of the woods, running around, acting almost like a feral animal, and he was naked. Hmm. And um, anyway, he he um, he and then another backup came and they subdued this gentleman. And it, it, I'm not going to get into the bodily functions, but it was not thank you for sight. that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, state trooper pulls up. Now, this guy's been there for some time in this area. I think it was in the American Northwest somewhere. And uh, state troopers like. I got this, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, This gentleman patrolled in this area, didn't recognize the guy, didn't recognize the badge number, nothing. And usually he knows people. Um, And then also an ambulance pulled up. And it was uh, from a company that that is around there. But again, he didn't recognize the drivers or anything. And they said, well, we'll take care of this guy. So they kind of did their territorial handoff as they do and for his report he had to go back to the station and uh, uh, he asked around he says anybody know this particular officer this badge number and uh, anybody said and he said there are a lot of guys who've been there a lot longer than him no I I don't know this and there's lots of cross-pollination because they they overlap the same area sure and uh, so anyway he calls up uh, uh, I guess a dispatch person, something else, and said, "No, we can't find a number on that on that person." Same thing. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, the the ambulance. Uh, okay, this uh, thus and so ambulance company, uh, thus and so ambulance number. When they looked it up, no such ambulance existed. Oh dear! <laughs> so it almost to me seems like a Men in Black kind of. Uh, black ops kind of thing to to maybe catch somebody who escaped out of uh, uh, out of some kind of uh, laboratory. Right. I mean, goodness knows what it is or if it's supernatural in some way, men in black type thing. But uh, just uh, these people 
usually these guys get along with each other. This guy was very brusque. The people were very brusque. And the officer says, you know, uh, it happened. The strangest thing that ever happened to me. And I have no idea and no explanation for it. And this is a, 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 a policeman who's still in active service. Yes, yes. And and how long ago did this happen again? Uh, he told this story because I, I, I related it to, to you thinking about for this particular show because of that overlap we spoke of. I would say that it probably and this is just off the top of my head. I haven't listened to the show, uh, the story in a, in a couple of years, maybe uh, 10 years ago, five, 10 years ago, somewhere in that uh, that period. Wow. And somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Yes. That's a head scratcher. <laughs> that is a head scratcher. Well, that's, now, you know, I use that phrase all the time because when we have the campfire program where people call in and they tell their stories, there's certain categories of stories that we cover. Uh, one of the garden variety ghost story, um, kind of the spooky story, the cryptid story. Mm -hmm. And then we have exactly what you called them. That's what I call them are the head scratchers. They don't really fit in one particular category, but they make you go, hmm. And then make you scratch your head and say, what was that all about? That's, exactly. That's, that's, I said those are my, probably my favorite. And police officers are a great, a great source uh, of these types of stories. One, because they know how to tell a story, I find. Because I guess they're, they're used to – it's that old you know, Jack Webb from Dragnet, right. just, just the, the facts. facts. Yeah. Right. They, don't, they get right to the nut of the story. And then obviously there's the whole credibility. Uh, they have such great credibility – so uh, those two things combined, that, that gives a story like that a great deal of gravitas, I suppose. I agree. And my point is this. And now he did not say where this happened exactly. And for good reason, I wouldn't think he would want to broadcast uh, particularly the police force he was on at the time or anything. But uh, uh, people who call in like this and much like people who call in on the great coast to coast am and and, and uh, various programs that deal with this uh, this subject matter they have nothing really to gain i mean yeah there might be the momentary thrill of being on a uh, a podcast or a, a a huge radio show or something like that but there's no financial uh uh kind of reward in it so or or, or really nothing else so people particularly professionals they have more to lose than they have to gain. So I really, as you said, I put a lot of weight behind what they say. Do people look at to to you as sort of not a confessor, but a confidant? Because many of these stories may perhaps they feel they can't share with their colleagues and maybe even their own family members. Honestly, yes. And that floors me. Uh, I started the Paranormal Podcast, which is my more straight ahead interview authors about the paranormal back in 2005 in 2009 i was short an interview and this was when i was still doing it part-time and kind of almost as a a hobby and uh i was short a show and i said well it'd be fun to get people's uh ghost stories and i was blown away by the uh response so i said well this will be fun you know it'll be a lark it'll be entertaining and it surprised me because uh, and again, there, the Great Coast to Coast, many other shows have done this kind of concept, but it blew me away how seriously people take it, which I can understand, and what it means to them. Um, and that is uh, somewhat surprising to me, and people will say, I've never told anybody this story. Just this last week, and I'm actually telling you this before 
it actually airs. I'm going to put out the uh, uh, the show in the next day or so. I had a woman who worked for uh, uh, a school. I, I don't know if she was a lunch lady or, or what she was, but something. She wasn't a teacher, but she worked for a, a young group of, uh, I think, third graders. And uh, uh, unfortunately, one little boy died in a house fire at the age of 10 years old, just mm-hmm. a horrible thing. And I guess it was really trying on her mind. And uh, uh, she had had a dream uh, a few days before the, before the wake, but after the boy died. And the boy came to her and she said it was more real than real, which is very common in visitation dreams. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm okay and that I didn't get burned anywhere except for my hand. So don't worry about me. I'm okay. But thank you for worrying about me. But everything's cool. Now, uh, anyway, she went to the wake. She didn't know any of the circumstances other than she pa- he passed. Mm. And uh, he and his father had both passed. Father was closed casket. He was open casket. And she went to see the little boy. And she told somebody, he looks perfect. What in the world happened? There's, there doesn't appear to be a mark on him. And... The the family friend, I think it was, said, well, he died of smoke inhalation. He wasn't burned at all, except he did try to get out. And he put his hand on the door and tried to open it up. And uh, it, it was hot, and he did burn his hand. But that was the only thing that happened. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was a very poignant story. And that's another kind of story that we get a lot of, which I it's not all spooky-ooky and scary. And the thing was, is that she was very emotional when she told it. You could hear the the choke in her voice. And she said, I've told very few people about this. Mm. And this just happened. She told the story to me yesterday. And, uh, you know, to know that people feel that strongly about the program and that they feel comfortable to tell their stories and and I'm not going to and the listeners aren't going to ridicule them, um, I think is important. And in a case like that, and I told her. Her name was Felicia. I told her, Felicia, there are two ways that I can explain this, and I want her to take it in the right spirit. But this is more directed towards the skeptics. A, you're lying, or B, that little boy communicated with me, you, and I certainly don't believe you're lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because how else would she know that? How would she know that he was only burnt on his hand? How would she know that other than that dream? And that, by definition, means that she was communicated to beyond the grave. Right. So, you know, to me, it's very heartwarming that people feel that comfortable to tell stories like that that they've not told anywhere, to your point. It is an honor and a a privilege uh, that that we have, for sure, Jim. Uh, Those types of stories, uh, while tragic, are also, to me, incredibly comforting, just because it, you know, confirms, reaffirms uh, my belief and I'm sure yours in, in, in life after death, regardless of, you know, what faith, uh, would, however you're coming at it, the fact that consciousness does survive after physical death, it's, it's very comforting. What about the, um, the other category? I, I used to do a segment on my, my terrestrial radio show, uh, called things that make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Uh, or sometimes we call them the hackles on the, on the back of your neck. What, what what scares you? Um, that's a good question. Because after a while, you become a little immune to the stories because you've heard a lot of different things. Um, I think the idea of pure evil, 
that there is something that is out there that wants to harm us. I, I, you know, there, there's a lot of people I, I have an occasion, as I'm sure you do, to occasionally interview some some of our friends in the more new age kind of metaphysical uh, belief system. New age, I guess, is the right way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I'll say something like, well, don't you believe in evil? And they'll say, well, really, they're, they're, that's that's kind of a loaded term. There is no such thing as evil. There's a lower level of vibration. You're right. And, <laughs> and I say, well, what about John Wayne Gacy and Jeremy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and Adolf Hitler and people like that? Mm. And, uh, you know, the, so to me, with all due respect to those folks, I think there is evil in the world. And I think that, uh, you know, when I dip into true crime and those kind of things a little bit, that scares me probably the most because we know that there are people out there whether it's through some kind of insanity uh, or whatever the reasoning might be that very much have no problem in fact they enjoy uh, the act of murder and killing people and covering it up Mm. and torture and horrible things I think of all the things that really scare me that is probably first and foremost and then you get into the question and I'm the jury, to me, may still be out on this. I mean, I know there's certainly psychological reasons that people do things like this. But I do wonder if there's a possession piece to this. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that clinical uh, people will be uncomfortable with this, clinical psychologists and so forth. But I wonder when you're talking about truly the depths of depravity, uh, killing people and eating them, and uh, mm. torture and that kind of thing. Is there a, is there a, such a thing as a possession, as a, a demon possession? I, 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 that's an open question to me, and that's I guess what scares me the most. That's interesting. You you bring that up. I uh, the other night I was interviewing Alan Warren, uh, who writes a true crime. Oh, yes. And uh, I interviewed him. Yeah, he's great. Ha- have you talked to him about the the game show killer Rodney yeah, Alcala? Yeah, we just did a show on that. Oh, yeah. same here. And, uh, I mean, talk about low vibration. Uh, here's a guy, uh, you know, obviously when it, when it involves children, there's a special yeah. room in, in God's furnace room for people like Rodney Alcala. Uh, but the fact that he would strangle his victims into unconsciousness and then beat them and then they would, they would revive themselves and then he would do it again. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, how do you I don't even I don't even like to a part of me doesn't even like to invite that into my life but it's just it's part of the territory obviously yeah, doing a you show know, I feel when I get into things like that I feel exactly the same way I'll talk about ghosts all day long but when I talk about something like that it's just a little too scary to me and, and it just it feels evil and the thing is is that I mean the Catholic Church certainly recognizes exorcism as a real thing even though I know among many people it's something we poo-poo. So I don't rule out the possibility that there is some extra X factor involved in those kind of cases. Nor I. Um, one of the things that really scares me when you were talking about this police officer, and these are you know very credible people, and when they tell you something that's maybe otherworldly, uh, that raises the hackles on the back of my neck. I happen to I had the opportunity for my TV show to go down to Yonkers and interview a clinical, uh, this is a state certified clinical psychologist by the name of Dr. Richard Gallagher, who mm-hmm. wrote a piece in the, uh, I, I believe it was the Catholic Observer, commenting on what he said was a 
incredible case of demonic possession. This was a patient of his. And after examining her and running all the tests, this was his conclusion. And he described what went on with this particular person, how he would be on a telephone call with a Catholic priest uh, who was down in Florida. And all of a sudden, this woman's voice would come on and start growling at them. And, uh, and, and this is a, you know, a man of science telling me this. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to interview the, the priest that was involved in the exorcism. He, I couldn't identify him by name. He, he, um, he, he had to call me. I couldn't call him. He called me at my house. Of course, it was a dark and stormy night. It must have been midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I was alone in the house. And he said, before we talk about this, we need to pray. And I said, all right, oh man, you know, <laughs> here we go. Uh, and I'm someone I, I won't even, I won't even allow the movie The Exorcism in the house. I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want anyone that I love to see it. Uh, so that's anyway, that's what, that's what scares me, I guess, when, when credible scientific minds, you know, throw their hands up in the air and say, I don't know what the hell that was. Well, you know, a story like that, and it's not frightening, it's actually one of those more poignant ones, but there's a super, and I'm sure you're familiar with him and maybe even have spoken with him, is a very famous uh, American sky, uh, skeptic, uh, I almost said skeptic, skeptic. <laughs> it's, a new, it's a new realm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Dr. Michael Shermer. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who poo-poos all of this stuff. And he says, we're all just uh, loopy. And although I have interviewed him and he was a perfect gentleman, uh, totally doesn't buy into any of it. But no, he he's, a nice. he's a tough nut. He's a tough nut. But he was very nice. He was very nice to me, at least. Maybe uh, he didn't consider me a threat, but he, he was very nice. This has been a few years ago. But anyway, if you look in Scientific American, he wrote a story. Um, uh, he must have gotten married uh, later in life. This was a, just a couple of years ago, I think. And his wife, who I think was probably, I'm guessing, around his age, um, she was commenting that day that she wished her grandfather were there. Her grandfather had passed. And then all of a sudden, I guess this was at a, her house, I don't know, um, that day uh, there was an old radio that sat in a drawer, an old radio that belonged to her grandfather. And suddenly the old radio started to play. Mm. And the old radio played all day and they listened to it and they danced to it and they got a chuckle over it and smiled with it. And then the next day it didn't work. And the gist of the story was he, I think he took the radio apart, tried to figure out, could never get it working again, but it worked that day <laughs> after she said she wanted her grandfather to be there. And he didn't say at the end that he believed, uh, believed in uh, paranormal activity, but he said such uh, personal uh, experiences can shake one's skepticism to the core. Hmm. And it's like, uh, I just thought that was as close as you're going to get from Dr. Michael Shermer, that there is something such as the paranormal. But I thought it was uh, uh, really an interesting story. And I recommend, uh, I'm looking it up now, uh, anomalous events that can shake One's Skepticism to the Core by Dr. Michael Shermer, October 2014 in Scientific American. Really interesting article where you see even you talk about scientific people. You cannot get anybody more skeptical. 
and uh, <laughs> and he has had his own experience. Well, I'd have to commend him for his honesty because yeah. another debunker uh, would would simply quash that story. They they just wouldn't report. They yeah, I'm not telling anybody about that one because that doesn't fit my narrative. But he was honest about it, so I have to yes. commend him. I agree. I agree. Here's something I have to be totally honest about, uh, Jim, and that is I I hate internet passwords what i hate about it is i have so many to remember and i can't remember them and now internet security experts are telling us that we have to have a different password for every website i I don't do that in all honesty but it can be a nightmare keeping track of all of those passwords whether it's for your online shopping your banking email twitter etc long complicated passwords while they may be secure they are so hard to remember well, here finally is a great solution. It's called RoboForm. And you never need to remember or type a password ever again. RoboForm gives you stronger passwords and faster logins, all with a single click. It keeps all your devices in sync. And when you shop online, RoboForm, get this, RoboForm actually fills in those long address forms with one click. It's available for Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android for personal or business use. And for peace of mind, RoboForm has around-the-clock support. That is great. It's one great solution for online security. You can learn more at onegreatsolution.com. That's onegreatsolution.com. And don't forget the contest. If you'd like to have your name entered into a draw for one of my Strange Planet collections on CD Volume 1 or 2, here's all you need to do. Subscribe to Conspiracy Unlimited if you haven't already done so, and then rate it and review it. Grab a screenshot of that and email it to me at richardserrett one at gmail.com. That's Richard Serrett. S as in Simon, Y because I love you, R E double T, the numeral one at gmail.com. Every Friday I'll draw from a list of emails and the lucky winner will receive a Strange Planet collection. I'll drop that in the post for you. Good luck. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, what, what a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. So I wanted to ask you about, um, now this is going back a few years, I understand. This is uh, your Campfire series of books, which is now up into volume five. And I yes. understand you're working on uh, on volume six. Uh, right. But it has to do with an encounter. This is a story uh, about encounters with, with black-eyed kids. And I've, I've, I've done a number of shows on black-eyed kids. I'm really not sure how I feel about it. I, I believe in an un, unseen realm. I believe in, you know, alternative dimensions and so forth. But I'm not, you know, this is one of those stories that seems to live on, on the Internet. Um Although some of the accounts online are, are uh, you know, very detailed and kind of scary. How do you feel about black-eyed kids? I, uh, we're in mind meld here, Richard, because it's <laughs> one of those things where, in fact, I was on a paranormal cruise back in November, and I did a, I, I, I did a presentation on black-eyed kids because so many people find it fascinating, and it's something a little bit different. I, um, I, I tend to be a little more skeptical of it, but I don't throw it out because – Actually, one of the best explanations I found, and it was on that cruise, actually, was Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know Rosemary. Oh, yes. Good friend. Uh, who really 
uh, she's the superstar in this area. I'm just a I'm just a piker compared to her. Oh. Uh, but uh, she was doing presentations on the gin. Yes. And it occurred to me that perhaps the black eyed ki- kids and if folks aren't familiar with the gin are kind of like it's where the idea of genie came from and this idea of a trickster. Uh, D-J-I-N-N. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the Black Eyed Kids are yet another form of the gin because there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities. For example, the gin supposedly, uh, when they try to pose as something, they can never get it 100% right. And that would explain maybe the, the, the Black Eyes. On the other hand, you think about things like Slender Man, Internet memes, is this just an Internet meme? And I'm kind of, I'm like you, Richard... I'm kind of ambivalent. Uh, you could ask me on a different day of the week, and one day I say, yeah, there's probably something to it. And the, the next time I might say, uh, I'm not so sure. So I'm a little up in the air on that one. Yeah, it's not something I want. I don't want to test that theory oh, in, a, in an abandoned see, parking I think, lot. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, you, you tell something that would frighten me. I think that would be the one because – what is a, what is scary about the idea of a black eyed kid? What is more innocent than a child? Nothing, right? So you take that and you put it behind uh, incredibly sinister uh, motivations in this look. With and, and folks aren't familiar, black eyed kids, their eyeball is totally black, supposedly, and they're kind of have this pallor. And what they do is they come to your house and they say, let me in. Um, the one story that I had that I'm thinking about, it just came to mind, was uh, Tony from Tennessee, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lived in a college town. And it was, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the morning. And all night long, someone was banging on his door. And uh, he kept ignoring it because he was very tired. And finally he got up and he opened the door and it's like this 13, 14-year-old girl. And she's looking down and she's like, let me in. And he said, can I help you? And she's like, let me in. Oh, dear. And he says, well, you know, I can't let you in the house, but I can let you use the phone. She said, let me in. He said, well, I'm not going to let you in, but I'll get you the phone so you can call whoever you need to call. And she said, this won't take a minute. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not going to let you in. And she said, in a very kind of cold, steely voice, I said, let me in. And she looks up and her eyes are totally black. There you go. And at that point, Tony says, well, I'm going to run and get the phone and call the police. She comes back and totally nobody's there. He calls the police. They laugh at him. And he said that it was really weird. He felt odd that night. He said he he didn't have any appetite, which is unlike him, he said. Uh, There was a cold brush of air with this girl it became very cold and he said (laughs) you know he's like a big burly guy but this little 13 year old girl scared the heck out of him because you can imagine she just looks up with totally black eyes and said let me in this will just take a minute my question is richard what will take just a minute (laughs) (laughs) that's it exactly stealing your mortal soul perhaps pretty much yeah oh lord (laughs) uh have you had a a paranormal encounter yourself i'm so glad you asked that because i've had a few kind of subtle ones but one that happened relatively recently very recently was on that cruise i talked Mm -hmm. about and uh it's one of those things 
where it's a subtle thing, kind of. It's not a full body apparition. But I believe in after death communication, and I tend to think that they're subtle sometimes. And I'll give you the 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 rundown. We were doing um, in these, and I'm guessing you've been on them before. These cruises. We go in a group, you'll have presentations. And I, I may have very well been given that black-eyed kid one that day that this happened. And uh, very nice ship. And uh, as with many things, you have to walk through the casino to get anywhere. So we had finished. We were on break. I was going to go get a cup of coffee, had a little bit of cold. And I started to walk through the casino, and one of the members of our group, one of the attendees, was playing one of these crane machines. Mm-hmm that has money and you take the little crane and you go down and you grab supposedly money and, and hopefully win. Now, uh, my uncle, uh, I had an uncle who I was extremely, extremely close to. He was like my second dad. He lived with us growing up. So I kind of like, it was like my two dads and he passed away in 2013 and we were very, very close. And he loved these machines, not the ones with money, but in a lot of stores I know, at least here in the States, they have these positioned outside to rob you of your quarters. And uh, <laughs> he would be the kind of guy that would go and play this uh, for whatever kid that was with the group, uh, the family, you know, right. and spend $10 to try to get a 99-cent toy. He loved the things. <laughs> he was, like, addicted to them. Yeah. I saw that. I thought about him so powerfully. I'm like, oh, I wish my uncle were here. Boy, he would love that. And, in fact, he'd be playing for cash, not some kind of lousy 99-cent toy. And uh, anyway, it just really hit me. I walked about two steps and I heard a woman call out to somebody in the crowd. I'm assuming it was her husband. John. She waited a few seconds. She said, John. Richard, do you know what the name of my uncle was? Oh, it wasn't Peter or Fred. It was no, John. John. It was John. So and even now I get chills <laughs> saying that. Now, some people say, hey, Jim. That was just a wild coincidence. Mm. Uh, no, I don't no. know. Boy, that was a weird coincidence. And, and, and I believe in it. There's so much we don't understand, Richard. And that's the one takeaway I have from all this. Something's going on. I don't think any of us really understand it. I think if we think we got it nailed down, we're fooling ourselves. But some, and this, this sounds crazy, but I think some way Uncle John in the universe conspired to put that woman there looking for her husband, I'm guessing. And right, right. who I would walk out at that time and see. And, and the funny thing was the guy from our group was playing the crane. So maybe I wouldn't have even noticed it if he hadn't been standing. All these right, different little right. things, like put the chess pieces in place so that little interaction could happen. I believe it. hundred percent. I'm with you on that. I don't want to live in a universe where it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And I, I believe there are things, you know, like fate and things like that. Now, that begs the question, here's where the, it gets tough. You know, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, if I if I hadn't, a, if, if I'd turned right and instead of left, I would have been in that 12-car pileup where all those people got killed. On the other hand, you think about the poor guy that did turn down that street was fate against him. But I do think things happen for a reason sometimes, and I do think that we're put in places uh, and there is a little, I think we have free will, but I also think there's a little manipulation where we're meant to see something or avoid something. I think it happens. Sure. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a trillion piece jigsaw puzzle. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just one little piece. So we can't 
possibly conceive of, you know, what this puzzle is going to look like in the end. I agree. You have to be outside time and space, I think, to appreciate that. Yep. You, you mentioned a, a couple incidents recently. Share share another. Because I, I could just, you're such a wonderful storyteller. And obviously, that's, you know, such a, well, a, a part of your, your, your huge success. Um, but share another one. You, you had a, a couple of recent paranormal experiences. Well, that was the recent one. But I will tell you one that happened with my brother. Uh, and this isn't nearly as recent. This was uh, 1999. It was actually before I started podcasting. Because people will say, well, you just this. And I, I don't consider myself, Richard, a, a, a psychic person in any way whatsoever. I think I'm about as psychic as a board. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, people say, oh, well, we all have gifts. I'm like, I don't. But one other thing that happened in the same kind of deal. Uh I'm approaching 50, but at this time I was still relatively young. (laughs) I was was, uh, 29, and my uh, brother, unfortunately, um, passed away very young. Mm -hmm. He was autistic, and unexpectedly he passed away in his late 20s. He was two years younger than me. And um, my wife and I, we'd just been married a couple of years. Uh, My family uh, lived down in West Virginia, and I'm up here in Ohio near Cleveland. And we had driven down to the uh, funeral and mm-hmm. extremely sad. And we're coming back through southern Ohio. And, you know, when you're in a rural area and you're trying to pick up a radio station, there was no streaming back then, uh, no Spotify. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're trying to flip through stations. You'll get a station for 15 or 20 minutes. It'll fade out and you have to find another station. Right. So we were at one of those junctures where the, 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 the station faded out. And uh, we uh, were flipping around, and I found what they used to call, and I know you being the radio business, you'll be familiar, the music of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't hear those that much anymore, but it was like Nat King Cole, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, those kind of singers. Chances are. Exactly. (laughs) Johnny Mathis. And uh, nevertheless, uh, I I, I, I like that kind of music along with many other kinds of music. Uh, Everything except rap. But anyway, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Well, we are simpatico tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, mind meld here. Mind meld. Anyhow, uh, it came on, and I heard this. There was this instrumental that came on. And I'm like, you know, I have a pretty good handle on this kind of music and then the, the big band era as well. I, I can usually say, you know, that's uh, that's Glenn Miller or that's maybe Woody Herman or something. Mm. Uh, I was like a teenager. I was listening to big band music. I was a very odd kid. But any <laughs> and talk radio. <laughs> but anyway, um, I didn't, I recognized it, but I didn't recognize it. I'm like, who's that band? That's not a traditional big ba- band sound, but what is that instrumental? Now, one thing that you need to know is my brother loved music, and like me, he had very diverse tastes. He loved classic country music. Mm. He loved, um, he loved. Uh, if you remember a show called Soul Train with oh, Don yes. Cornelius, yes. great music. He loved that kind of music. But his favorite, Richard, was, um, and I don't know how popular he is up there, but Lawrence Welk. Oh, yes. A one, a two, a three. A two, a three. A. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were little kids in the 70s, it was still on regular American syndicated television, later on our public broadcasting system. And he loved that show. Probably his favorite. Hmm. So anyway, the DJ comes on the back announce. 
And the DJ says, of course, that was the big instrumental hit from 1960, Calcutta, by Lawrence Welk uh-huh. and his orchestra. <laughs> mm, hello now, from now beyond me, the grave. Me, now, let me say, now, let me say, let's say that had been Sinatra or it would have been Dean Martin or it would have been uh, another format, Michael Jackson or Lionel Richie, uh, something like that. I would have said, well, you know, it's just a nice, cool coincidence. Richard, I don't remember ever hearing Lawrence Welk on the radio before that in no. my life. You know what? And I listened to those kind of stations. That's true. And in fact, my Sunday night show up here in Toronto, the the show before mine is called Big Band Sunday Night. George Chinescu has been on the air for 65 years. He is, I've never ever in the 10 years I've known him ever played a Lawrence Welk song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that that was in their playlist and in their rotation, but the fact Mm. that I was driving in that part of Southern Ohio, in that, I still remember the call letters, W-I-L-E. And um, Mm. the fact that it was that particular time, and that to me, and my wife looked at me and I looked at her and I'm like, that's my brother saying I'm okay. 100%. I still believe that. I still believe that. Good. As well you should. As well you should. It's funny how people, you mentioned, you know, you're, uh, you're not psychic and you've had a couple of sort of subtle paranormal experiences. And I'm sort of in the same boat. Not, I don't consider myself to be intuitive in the least. I've never seen a UFO, never seen, you know, a, a cryptid, Bigfoot or anything. I've had, I've had some quasi paranormal experiences like you, but, it's funny how people assume that that uh, people like us who who talk about these things are experiencers. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird, and and then other people um, uh, think that I'm an investigator, mm. and it's uh, I say no, I'm not an investigator. I don't wear black shirts and use EMF meters. Not that that's a bad thing. But uh, God bless our uh, ghost hunters out there. Yeah, you're not in uh, but, up to your knees in ectoplasm. Uh, no, exactly. I, I kind of use the analogy of this. If you're a fan of uh, American or Canadian football, um, there will be announcers. And they're the announcer guy who played linebacker for 15 years, and he's one of the announcers. They're, those, to me, are like the paranormal investigators who also do radio or who also do uh, – investigation like i would think of like a dave schrader for example right and then you have people who are like the 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 lifetime broadcasters who happen to specialize in sports and that's what i consider myself to be it is i'm not uh, uh, there was a famous broadcaster down here in the states for years howard cosell oh and yes he, he wrote a book called i never played the game mm-hmm. <laughs> and the same thing with me is um i am not a Uh, a paranormal investigator and and honestly i don't want to be i want to kind of stay a little bit arm's length so i can talk to people who really know what they're talking about because to me in terms of the programs i'm just a facilitator i'm not the show uh i talk more on this show than i probably do five of my shows put together (laughs) uh because i talk and uh, i mean i ask questions and then i let the the person who's the guest talk uh, so I, I tend to have a minimalist uh, uh, approach to that. 
And uh, some think that's a good thing. Some think it's a bad thing. But I don't see the shows as about me. I'm just a facilitator. I'm kind of the straw that stirs the drink, hopefully. Right. That, no, that's an excellent way of putting it. I, I see myself sort of – I cast myself in the same light. And um, I'm not an experiencer. I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist per se. I think some have a great deal of credibility, uh, deserve further investigation. Others are – Purely for entertainment purposes, I suppose, is the kind way to put it. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm, uh, like you, I, I consider myself first and foremost a broadcaster. And if I have to talk about, you know, a provincial budget, I suppose I could do that. Although I wouldn't be happy. I tried to go back once and do what some might call legitimate talk radio. And I tell you, <laughs> once once you get into this realm, I mean, there's just no going back. Do you agree? Like you couldn't? Could you? Could you do a talk show about I don't know politics? I mean, you, you, know, I've, you, I've you certainly have do, the smarts for it, but I'm saying, would I, your heart be in it? I don't think so. I mean, I did last year, I, last couple of years, I did a, a, a cool show that was about classic TV. But it's still, um, and I got to interview people like Ed Asner, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and, mm. and cool people like that. And I enjoyed it, but it's still, you're right, once you're bitten by the bug. And the thing is, is that, and Richard, I don't know if you find yourself doing the same thing, but I'll be here... Um, looking at the TV, and I have my little Roku uh, streaming box plugged in, and I'll gravitate towards shows on the paranormal or conspiracy or mm. these kind of topics I cover on the shows. I go, now, wait a minute. You're supposed to be off now. You should be watching something <laughs> else. And it's like, but this is what interests me. And that's that's kind of the joy of what we do is to be able to do these programs and talk to people. You know, heck, uh, I would... Not that I, <laughs> I want to make a living at it, but uh, I would have, I did this for years for free uh, just because I was interested in it. And I grew up watching Leonard Nimoy do In Search Of. Yes, and, yes. And um, I wanted to, I mean, uh, I started this for two reasons. One, because I was a frustrated broadcaster. I'd gone to school for broadcast and done all the college stuff. Then I ended up working in radio on the other side on the business side, on the advertising side, and was very frustrated because I thought, gee, I could do this. And then heard about this podcasting thing, and I said, well, heck, you know, I'll never make any money at it, but I can do it for fun. And then lo and behold, over the course of several years and some fits and starts, it started to build a following, and and I, I, I'm doing it full time now. But um, the other piece of it, I wanted to do something that I was really interested in, and the one thing I thought, when I go to a bookstore, when they have bookstores, and in libraries, <laughs> where do I always go? I always go to the paranormal section, and I'm always interested in learning more. So I'll interview all these great people. And the thing, Richard, I thought back in 2005, this will be great. I'll interview these people. I'll do this for six months. I'll have all this stuff figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much, huh? <laughs> no, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be resolved in our lifetime, maybe no. never, uh, which is great job security, I suppose, because, you know, once they figured out, you know, who's responsible for 9-11 and, and what is Bigfoot and, and all of this, then we're out of work. <laughs> That's true. Or then That's we have true. to talk about, about that way. But good point. Then good we point. have to talk about City Hall or something like that. <laughs> well, Jim, I have enjoyed this uh, this conversation immensely and we must do it again soon absolutely and i will extend a, a, an invitation in uh, the other direction we could talk about it offline to be on one of my programs because you are 
one of the best at what you do, and I'm so glad to see you into the uh, world of podcasting. I think it's going to be a better world of podcasting for it. Oh, well, that's a very warm welcome indeed. Thank you so much. And uh, how can people subscribe to your podcasts? Well, they can, of course, uh, most people listen to their podcasts on Apple devices, uh, certainly Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, basically where a Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are heard, they can go to my website at jimherald.com. And actually, if they sign up for my inbox campfire newsletter there, they will get a automatic copy sent to them of my favorite campfire story of all time. And then I would also recommend they check out Jim Herald's virtual campfire. And that's on Facebook. That's a Facebook group. We have about 13,000 people on there right now. And they uh, tell their personal stories of the supernatural. And we mod, we mod the, the group and keep the spammers out and the naysayers out. It's a great place to share your stories while you're not uh, listening to the show. So all of those places are places they can go. The hub, of course, is jimherald.com. Jim, again, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. You have a great evening, and we'll talk soon. Jim Harold, what a delight. I am about to dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs and make my way up to the old Schlafensack. But before then, I want to tell you what's coming up on episode 19 of Conspiracy Unlimited. In the meantime, is weight loss on your mind? It certainly is on mine. Unfortunately, the commitment to lose weight often fades, usually within the first 90 days. Now, the key is having the right mindset, and getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes, and hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Stephen G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis. These will help you reprogram your mind, replace bad habits with vibrant, positive new habits, and help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. Coming up on Episode 19 of Conspiracy Unlimited, Hollywood film director, casting director Craig Campobasso discusses the strange case of alien Valiant Thor, the benevolent alien with an IQ of 1,200, who took up residence in the Pentagon for three years and interacted with President Dwight Eisenhower. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>